Potter Who Cast. Hello and welcome to Potter Who Cast, where we look at every episode of Doctor Who, Torchwood, Sarah Jane Adventures. This is very low energy. K uh, nine uh, class, all them in broadcast order. Um, I'm David, and with me this week are. I'm Michelle, and moisturize me, please. Uh, I'm Adam, and I'm listening to my iPod right here. It's enormous. Oh, 2005. Yep. It's fun when you watch the time travel show about going all over to the future, and you just draw yourself a warm bath of 2005 and lay back. I into mean, what it. we got here? We've got uh, big old, big blocky cell phones. We got, mm-hmm. um, we got Britney Spears. You got blonde got hair. Blonde hair. We've got uh, all those costumes. And you got the CGI, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. You've got, there's a one point where you can clearly see like a green screen <laughs> ring around Eccleston's head. Yeah. Uh, as you can tell, we're talking end, end of the world this week. Um, yeah, it, it was the second episode of the relaunch show, and it really had to be the sort of statement of intent, the like, what is this show going to be like from week to week? I believe the word you're looking for is second pilot. <laughs> no, but for real, this is a second pilot of the show. I mean, it, the, it, is quite it literally designed to be like, okay, now this is what we're really about. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, like before we do anything, um, Adam, do you want to say how you got to Doctor Who? Uh, I, my my family has some British roots. So, like, my my mother and her family, they watched some of the original show. And, of course, she was a big sci-fi nerd, so I was always sort of up against it. And I was dimly aware of the show restarting. It's like, oh, this grand old tradition, they're bringing it back. And it was when Tenet, wa- Tenet was cast that I really started to take notice and really started to like internalize and be aware of, Oh, this thing has a grand history and it's kind of never really stopped, even though it did really stop for a couple decades there. And the notion of the 10th doctor and the sort of immediate phantom the tenant got, that was what got me into the show. And when I sort of heard about it, I wanted to start from the beginning, so I started watching uh, with more or less Rose and then this. And this, I think, got me way more interested in the show than Rose did. Yeah, really? That's interesting. That is yeah. interesting. But I mean, this episode, I think, is, I mean, as you said, it's a second pilot. Like, you, you get the stuff it brings in compared to Rose is just so, I think it's more interesting in a way. Especially with the time mm-hmm. war and um uh I suppose the scale of it as well. Just I think this is mo- this was the most expensive episode until pretty I think maybe half halfway through Tenant's run, I think. I should have researched that, but this was definitely one of the most expensive ones they did. I um, would guess I would guess that uh that Day of the Doctor would be the most expensive episode of the Doctor Who. Uh 
Probably, revival. Yeah. Probably because of... Well, yeah, just because it's feature length, so you gotta put that money into it on top of everything else. Yeah, well, that and... That and uh, I imagine that John Hurt probably wasn't that cheap. And and the whole, like, 3D thing. But, yeah, like, the end of the world, I I don't really know the rhythms of how this show, Pod Tur Who Cast really rolls off the tongue. I'm not sure about the rhythms of that. What do we like to talk about here? We like to talk about, uh, well, based on last week, we like to talk about people getting shot in the head in uh, spin-off novelizations. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah. Does that happen to, like, Knox of Balhoom? No, but there is is a very interesting spin-off thing involving the Knox of Balhoom that we'll get to. Um, Oh, okay, great. Second time I've come up in the show, but you won't hear the second part until seven weeks from now, eight weeks from now. Um, I just looked it up. Uh, there's no, if you look up most expensive Doctor Who episode, this comes up, but I don't think it is the de facto most expensive one. That's interesting. That's interesting. Anyway, um, where were we? Playing fast and loose today. Um, before we begin, some basic information, of course. Um, broadcast 2nd of April, 2005, uh, written by Russell T. Davies and directed by Euros Lynn, who, as we said last week, directed half of Rose, more or less, and goes on to direct stuff like Tooth and Claw and The End of Time and The Idiot's Lantern, all kind of stuff like that. Um, as we do... Of course, almost every week. Um, that's going to... You'll get that in a couple of weeks. But as we do almost every week, um, we like to break down the story into five key points of plot or story or narrative, whatever you want to call it. So point one is that the Doctor brings Rose to Platform One, a private commercial viewing platform in the year five billion to see the Earth explode. Point two, having, con- uh, having convinced the people running the event that they belong there, the Doctor and Rose meet their fellow guests, including Jabe, the humanoid tree, the mocks of Balhoon, the face of Bo, the adherents of the repeated meme who give everyone this metal sphere as a present, and finally Cassandra, who states that she is the last human who has ever existed. Overwhelmed, Rose leaves the platform, which brings us to point three, which is that Rose talks to a plumber who is then killed by robot spiders who came from the spheres, the Doctor finds her and they argue over the Doctor's treatment of her situation and how flippant he is and all kind of stuff. The spiders kill the steward running the event and then continue to sabotage the platform in general. Point four. After a heartfelt conversation between Jabe and the Doctor over who he is and what happened to his plaid and all kind of stuff, they discover the spiders have been sabotaging the platform. Uh, Rose almost dies. The Doctor reveals that Cassandra is behind the whole thing. She's trying to kill them all, or kill them all, trying to hold, hold them all to hostage so that she can get... Uh, compensation money to pay off all her surgeries and stuff. She teleports away and the sp- uh, the platform starts to get more and more overwhelmed to the point where the Mox of Balhoon dies. Point five, the Doctor who manages to stop the plan- the explosion of the platform but Jabe dies in the process. Uh, he brings Cassandra back. He, she, he, well, he doesn't murder her but he effectively kills her by not letting her get moisturised. Um, Rose is a bit appalled and she's also sad that no one saw the earth explode. So the doctor brings her back to 
present-day Earth explains that his planet died. He was in a big war that killed all his people. And then they go off and get chips for lunch. That is the episode. Uh, what did you two think of the end of the world? You know, from what you're saying, it, it kind of sounds like the plot gets started really, really quick. But boy, they, they kind of take their time getting there. Like Cassandra being revealed as the bad guy happens, what, like 30 minutes in? And by after that, 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 that's when the plot really starts off. All the way up to that, it's mostly more of an emotional piece because I feel like the writers realize that one, I don't know, I can't speak for Classic Who, but they realize that considering this is going to be m- most people's first introduction to Doctor Who, they already answered the question, like, why would you go with the Doctor? But now they have to answer the question, why would you stay with the Doctor? You know, there's that moment where Rose kind of goes, he's just a complete stranger, and I just got on his space box and flew to the future. Like, what the hell am I doing? And it's supposed to be this moment for Rose to kind of think about it and be like, should I be doing this or should I get out of here? With Cassandra really being like a background thing. At best. Yeah, I I was really impressed with the way they interleave that emotional story about Rose and the Doctor and like uncovering more about the Doctor and Rose having to figure out whether or not she wants to be a companion with the like Agatha Christie inspired like Earth is blowing up and all the rich people are there but there's there's st- there's skullduggery going on. Well, but it's also this is also the first episode of the series where we have scenes where the doctor is there without the companion. Um, it, it, that's why that's why we joke that it's the second pilot because if you went by Rose, you would be much more, you know, led to believe that Rose is the protagonist of the show, whereas the doctor is the protagonist of the show, and. This episode is setting the template for what the show is really going to look like. Like, it's not going to be all from Rose's perspective. Like, we'll have Rose. She'll be an important part. But the real action lies with the Doctor. Exactly, yeah. And it it also sort of sets up how he works in his own sphere rather than in like a relatively normal world that we saw in Rose. Like it's this crazy future environment. Like, like the budget really shines. You can tell they went all out for it. And you really get a sense of like, this is someone who is both at ease anywhere and at ease nowhere. Like he'll never exactly fit in, but he's been around long enough that he, is generally able to like figure out what's going wrong and understand that there's always something going wrong. Mm-hmm. If I can steal a point from the future, um, just like Michelle last week, he looked into the future and you saw uh, the empty child and stuff. I'm going to look into the future now and look at Bad Wolf behind the waves and steal a point our guest there makes, which is that in order for the doctor to show Rose like who he is and for her to understand his situation, he has to show her her planet being destroyed and what it feels like to her to lose all the stuff you know 
so that she can then understand that like when he tells her like I like I was in a war, I lost everything, that she knows what it feels like then for him. It's like his way of reaching out and saying like this is who I am, this is what you have to accept from me, that I've gone through this, and now you know what it feels like. Man, I can't wait to be on that episode. It's going to be so much oh, fun. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. If I'm not in that episode, assume I got captured by Cassandra um, or something. But also, like, there's so much, um, like, unwitnessed death and trauma and, like, bleakness in this episode between, like, um, the plumber who gets killed without anyone seeing, um, the mocks of Balhoom kind of dies and no one really has time to say oh he's dying or we can save him because they're all then the steward dies off screen and as like Rose says at the end like the the earth blows up and no one was there to see it go because of what happened so there's, there's this whole thing of like unresolved unwitnessed death and destruction that I think carries over next week as well when you have the Gelf and you know them losing their home in the war and it's reflected last week as well with the next teens losing their plan to the war as well. And there's, there's this whole thing of like, like you, like people losing stuff that's close to them and then trying to react to that in various different ways, I think is very interesting for a show like this to kind of explore. Um, saying that though, the, um, the tag yourself energy that comes from this episode with regards to the guests who show up really um, got me. I don't know if you heard the the names of the people who showed up there. Um, oh yeah. It's, it's the grand tradition going all, all the way back to the bar and star Wars of like, let's just make a bunch of wacky aliens and then show off our work. Like we're at a fashion show and like, the, the the version of it they're doing here it's like the announcement of the honored guests at a grand ball and that's really good at establishing like i mentioned earlier the agatha christie vibe that this is going for exactly do you want to hear the names of the people who showed up yes sure please. um surprisingly um half these people don't have pages on the Doctor Who wiki. <gasps> i had to go to, to a transcription site and find this episode and go through the quoted lines to find them. So you have uh, the Force of Cheem, who are Jabe, Loot, and Kotha. You have the Mox of Balhoon, the Adherence of the Repeated Meme, the Brothers Hop Piling, Cal Sparkplug, Mr. and Mrs. Peku, the Ambassadors from the City State of Binding Light, the Face of Bow, and Lady Cassandra O'Brien. Delta 17. So you have all these like, people. Uh, don't, don't bury the lead here. Do not bury my friend, the Face of Bow. <laughs> He's a face. Uh. Exactly. Of Bo. Yeah. How, he, do, how do you think they came up with that? They're like, what if it's like, do you, do you, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine Russell T. Davis is in his office, you know, he's like drinking a martini. Somebody walks in, Russell, I just had an idea. He's like, war. It's a face. War. It's a giant face in a van. And Russell goes, do it. <laughs> we need a face of Bo. <laughs> Put it on the show. It must have been so much fun to make all those strands of hair slash flesh. The yeah, <laughs> like uh, to go to the future as as you do. The face of Bo will come back later, but here he's just like he's just sort of in the background. He gets a few moments. It's like 
Cassandra at one point says like, oh, the face of Bo, you sponsored this. Maybe you're the culprit. And he just shakes his head <laughs> because there's only so much he can do to like emote. Okay, actual question. So I don't know if there are listeners who are watching the show for the first time along with the podcast. Are we are we going to keep it spoiler free? Because I have some points I would maybe want to make. Um, I don't think honestly anyone's going to. Well, maybe they will. Um, I mean, I don't know. If you want, if you want to go ahead, I can. If it if it doesn't work, we can cut it out. But if you want to go ahead and just talk about whatever, we can. I, I assume you mean what what who the face of Boo really is, or no, no. I want to talk about something else that has to do with spoilers. Um, go ahead then. All right. So spoilers begin here. So basically, this episode, this episode's big moment is the reveal that the Doctor's race has died. That the Time Lords are no more and that Gallifrey is gone. And there's two great moments. The first one being when when uh, Jade is talking to him and she's like, oh, I'm sorry. And you can see him crying. And it's, a, it's an unexpected moment of emotion that really conveys just how much this Doctor is haunted by what he has lost. And then there's a scene at the end where, you know, you kind of get the, se- the sense that this Doctor wanted to show Rose the earth dying so that Rose could understand the pain that he is still carrying in his back. Uh, And it's such powerful moments though. There was a little voice in the back of my head going like, but the but Gallifrey is in a, is hidden away. They're not destroyed. So like it's, I don't think it's, I still don't think it's a bad choice to have brought back Gallifrey and day of the doctor. But a part of me wonders if the, if this, Honestly, these the best ones of this episode were quote unquote ruined by the fact that now we know that Gallifrey isn't gone, that he's not the last of the Time Lords, that he's not the last survivor as he thinks he is. Like, what do you guys think? Do you think? Um, do you think that emotion got lost? Do, have you seen? Have you both? You've both seen Spyfall, have you? The I have not. Yes. Okay, so I won't say anything about that. Um, I think. There's there's some weird kind of Gallifrey reference in Spyfall. Um, I think. I mean, I spoiled Day of the Doctor. You can spoil Spyfall. Yeah, I don't mind honestly. Um, she goes back. Uh, she goes back at the end of Spyfall because the Master has destroyed Gallifrey again, and all the Time Lords are dead again. Um, Woo! Yeah, and that's why I don't like playing that game. That's my reaction. It's like if you. If you want to go back and recast the old stories in the new light, then you're going to have to do it again every few years, and you might as well just treat them as the like individual self-contained pieces that they were largely written to be. Well, but I I, I think there's a difference between you know, in series thirty in series twelve they killed the the hold on just moving the microphone. I think there's a difference between in series twelve they killed the, the time Lords again. And the fact that we, you know, maybe they die again in the future, but we know that right now when the story is taking place, they are very much alive. And I, f- I still think the scene works. Like, from the bottom of my heart, I still think it works. I still felt a lot for the character. And they technically aren't in this dimension. Like, what, what was this, this thing they said? They said pocket dimension or something? It's in the pocket dimension at the end of the universe. Um, yeah. It's a matter of yeah, so I didn't feel like, oh, episode first similitude compromised. No, I, I, I did, however, feel like 
like, you know, if you come in knowing that this guy isn't the last of the Time Lords, if you come in knowing that, like, in the future, his future self is going to save the Time Lords, if you know all that, I kind of felt like a little bit, just a little bit, maybe 10% of it had been lost. Whereas if you had watched this when it came out, or if you had watched this before Day of the Doctor, you would have been like, wow, like, this is a burden that the Doctor is carrying to this day, and you can see it here. And, and that's why I don't like playing the game. Like, I prefer to just treat each, st- to take each story as it comes, and recognize that, like, if they want to go back and change things, it'll be in the service of the t- story they're telling in that future when they do the changing. Exactly, yeah. Good point. Um, and and yeah, it, like I am very happy treating this story as self-contained because it works very well on its own as just like a fun sci-fi adventure to the point that like uh instinct instinctively because it's still the BBC when there was that sequence where the blue alien dies from the filters on the sun being taken down and they basically melt him like a giant laser and it almost happens to Rose later. My first thought was like, oh yeah, they must have gotten that idea from the movie Sunshine. And then later I remembered, no, Sunshine came out after this. Danny Boyle Sunshine? Confirmed, uh, oh, okay. Danny, Danny Boyle yeah. confirmed uh, Doctor Who fan. Um, <clears throat> Has Danny Boyle ever directed anything Doctor Who related? He has um, for approximately 20 seconds of um, the London Olympic ceremony, the TARDIS plays, the TARDIS sound plays. Yeah, that makes sense. And that that was also where Daniel Craig showed up and the Queen became a Bond girl. Oh, God. I'm something of an Anglophile, folks, but I can only take it so far. I remember remember very well. They were like, Doctor Who is going to make an appearance in the Olympics. And I was like, ah, I'm really excited. I can't wait to see it. And they just played the fucking TARDIS (laughs) on the fact like, come on, don't blue ball me like this. I mean, who was a doctor back then? Was it still um, Smith? It was still Smith. Are you telling me you couldn't have put Smith on the wig and have him he, run around Smith, waving his arms? Smith had the torch at one point on the run up to the thing because of Tennant having the torch and fear her next season. Next season, everyone wanted the doctor to... Well, they wanted Tennant to come back and do it. But instead, they got Smith to come back and do it for some reason. Oh, it would have been funny if they got Tennant. Because this wasn't back when Tanner was really much, literally like all over Big Finish, was it? No. So, I mean, it would have been fun. Come on. This is when Tanner's doing um, Fright Night and a lot of other strange British indie films. Do you think, because um, Doctor Who over here is no longer on Netflix. It was on Netflix in full until December. And then as soon as 2021 rolled on, they took it off. But even on the DVD, do you think it costs the BBC a lot of money to have Toxic still be in this episode? Because, like, they could easily just take it out and put in, like, a different... Knowing um, the BBC, I'm not... I wouldn't be surprised if they made some kind of deal that's not as expensive as it should be. But I mean, like, I don't know if either of you have seen Cold Case, the um, long-running Dick Wolf... um, police procedural where it can't be put on dvd 
like in any shape or form because it's so full of licensed music that if they like pay for one episode for on DVD, it would just take the the whole budget for every single episode of every single season they have. So I'm just wondering, like, if the rate for Toxic is just super low, or if it's just like the BBC have money to burn, which they probably don't. But it just it it does sound to me like maybe the system is broken, <laughs> and <laughs> and we should find out a better like stories should not be deprived from being preserved because they can't pay the rights for music. Uh, I mean, they should pay the rights. They should pay the rights to the original artists, but like, but I mean, come there's on. Like, there's an episode of Cold Case, which is which is all um, Bruce Springsteen music, which like I can understand like not being able to pay for like Springsteen music, but like, I don't know. Um, I think the rules are different between doing it for an American TV network and doing it for the BBC. Oh, definitely. Yeah, Cause BBC as well are, are a private thing. And you have like eight cause ABC and CBS and NBC are seen where cable. So there definitely probably would be a. Yeah. It, uh, well, the, well they're broadcast networks, but yeah, they're different. They're yeah. different kinds of entities. Speaking yeah. of which, which was the network that co-produced the Doctor Who movie? Was it Fox? I can't it was remember. Fox, yeah. Fox, yeah. <laughs> what a thought. It's on Fox! <laughs> Married with children and Doctor Who. <laughs> okay. Um, so, yeah. There is a sequel to the story that isn't, not, like, not just New Earth, there is a 10th Doctor and Rose sequel to End of the World that, um, looking to the future again, we'll talk about it briefly on uh, Bad Wolf, Parting of the Ways, but it's exclusive to... I don't know if either of you heard of Battles in Time. It was a card game that the BBC had out when Doctor Who was at its peak. How so is the story exclusive to a card game? They had a magazine that came with it. So ah, okay. A comic. Um, it didn't have a Why? Um, wait to hear what the story was. So everyone who was on board, the Platform One, was being kidnapped issue by issue. And the 10th Doctor and Rose were trying to figure out what was happening. And it turns out that the culprit was um, a little guy called the Elf of Balhoon, the Mox's brother, who was mad that no one tried to save the Mox of Balhoon from being burnt alive horrifically. Oh my god. That <laughs> so is literally the plot of Cursed Child. What the fuck? <laughs> so they they kidnapped... So he kidnapped all of them. And then, how it, do you know how it ends? It ends with everyone saying sorry to him and that they'll say they'll build a, memo- a memorial garden to the Mox of Balhoon. And the Elf of Balhoon starts crying and they all hug. And then he says, I'm sorry. And he lets them all go. Which is a nice, nice little ending too. British writers challenge. I challenge you to come up with a different plot. Then, what if the person who died in that show got ang- their brother got angry that they died? It's the plot of Die Hard Three. We are we aren't we aren't our hands aren't clean. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brazilian. I don't know what you're talking about. So. <laughs> I win. <laughs> it's the exclusive way. It's the exclusive way. Um, but yeah. Is there um anything else you want to talk about? I feel like the, there the, has to be. Uh, I, 
I'm not sure how I feel about the big robot claw that the adherents of the repeated meme have. It's very weird. The, the yeah, it's it's very Wait, much. Are you telling me it doesn't look real? Show. Are you telling me it doesn't look real? That's weird. It looks so real to me. Totally doesn't look like <laughs> they literally spray painted something silver. And uh, like obviously, it's all Doctor Who. Come on, like the people are blue, <laughs> but like it feels a lot more straight out of the classic show than all the other new designs they're trying to do. It felt a bit off especially how enormous it was as well right as i get that, you yeah as well as that um the name cal spark plug is so star wars to me in terms of all the guests i think he's the blue guy with he's like a chew out of his mouth or something he's um he's my fa- well face of bow was probably my favorite but i like i like cal spark plug as well um i like the trees yeah the trees are good uh one tree who sort of becomes a tiny bit of a companion for a sec only to sacrifice herself at the end. I like her tree whip. That's so that scene is so horrific when you just her vine whip. Like, the, this, when you see the flames like burst into into being and she just starts screaming. It's like and, and it's it's very much the sign that this is still like a kid show, a family show. It's like the heat will be searing. You'll be burned. You'll made of wood. Like, yeah. Unlike humans who do not burn at all. Oh. Yeah. Well, to, it's funny you mentioned classic who, because it kind of felt to me like this episode was sort of like a tongue, tongue in cheek take on a classic who episode. Maybe this is me excusing the weird and unexplainedly batshit insane parts of the episode. Like, why does this station right next to a exploding sun has sun filters that are programmed to come down, but um, also programmed to not go back up? Well, the it, um, it's because the spider it's because the spider robots got into the mainframe. They got into the computer and reprogrammed it to murder everyone. Right, and also, and also the thing the thing is that it's I think Cassandra says it's like a a kind of it's like a commercial platform it goes to all right, these different right. events so they got other things speaking of classic who this is like the fourth time maybe the fourth third time that the earth is blown up in doctor who under different circumstances there's like three or four classic i wonder if douglas adams was ever involved <laughs> with this at some point he might have been um i know there's one do did the robots also hack the ship and build giant uh fans in the ventilator <laughs> section no they like, did not do that that came from someone watching galaxy <laughs> galaxy quest, quest right i also thought about that <laughs> why is the computer reset switch on the other side of these fans like what how, how is this supposed to work why why it's just such a like a it's such a like it it just reeks of them trying to squeeze out some more minutes out of this scene and also it, it i hate the fact that the doctor keeps looking back whenever he's jumping from thing to thing like doctor come on that lady's gonna burn jump <laughs> it's, it's like why are you waiting if you hadn't looked back 17 times she would still be alive look maybe they hired really bad contractors and they just didn't put the thing together properly and they just they left before anyone had any questions to ask about what went where um 
if there's nothing else, we could play a game if you want to play a game. Or if I, th- there's there's oh, there, something I there's something I feel honor bound to bring up, and I I feel compelled to say this. I wish I didn't have to say it, but the lady Cassandra O'Brien dot Delta Seventeen said trans rights. Oh, right, she she says she grew up as a boy. Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I I think in 2005, it's just another weird Russell T. Davis one-off joke, uh, along with all the other things he says. It's like, my mother hailed from the Arctic desert and all the rest. But viewing it in 2021 as someone who's going through a lot of gender stuff personally, like, huh, I I wonder how seriously we're supposed to take that, how deeply you can read that. There's a lot of this throughout uh, the, maybe the Russell, I don't remember, uh, man, this is where my memory is getting back to me. This is my first time rewatching this episode in a long while. But I remember a lot of like, in this episode, there's a whole like, ladies, gentlemen, what else does she say? She says like, ladies, gentlemen, trees, and multiforms. Yeah, multiforms. And also there's the, again, looking to the future, the long game. There's an episode where they go, uh, ladies, gentlemen, robots, others, etc., etc. Like they, they, it feels to me like Russ, Russell T. Davies has at least more of an awareness of this kind of stuff than. Uh, I'm, I'm not. I'm not entirely certain. I'm not sure basically how much credit I want to give him. Yeah, it feels kind of like, uh, uh, like good, but probably not intended in certain ways, kind of thing. I would say, I would say, here's what I would say. I wouldn't give him credit because I don't think it's on purpose, but also the fact that it wasn't a joke at expense of her, that deserves a little bit of attention. Not credit, attention. Like I'm not sure I would say it's not a joke at her expense. Like The whole point of her is that she's like plastic surgery taken to its ultimate conclusion and like the idea of her having grown up as a boy like it seems to be it seems to be saying like oh that's one more thing on the list of of stuff she changed about herself and again i'm not sure how much to read into this i'm not sure how seriously we should be taking it but like i can't help but want to unpack that line i mean you look as well as like how we we talked about that kind of stuff in the 2000s, especially like that era of 2000s, early 2000s stuff. And like, the, like I mean, like the way in which people viewed trans people in that era was fundamentally different to how we view them today, you know? And I think, I think there is kind of a hint of snark in that, in that line. But I do think that he is, at least aware of how it could be read in a way. Yeah. It's, you know, it, 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 I don't think, yeah, I agree with that. I don't know. I don't think there's enough awareness there that we can be like, congratulations. <laughs> Attention must be paid to this. Uh, I do want to say that for 2005 special effects, Cassandra is remarkably not bad. Like, she's silly, but she's not bad. 
she she works, you know, and that's more than I can say for several 2005 effects coming up in the next few episodes. This yeah, she this, she's supposed to be unnerving, and I think that's a big reason why it works. She's supposed to be unnerving, and she's not supposed to be real. She you're supposed to look at that and go like, that is a fake and be off putting. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen the? I think I showed you Michelle the Cassandra lasagna as well. Oh no! Don't I don't want to think about it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm good, thank you. But I think as well. I think a lot of the money probably went into realizing Cassandra and figuring her out, which is why I probably think in New Earth, getting ahead of ourselves by maybe a month, that that former Cassandra is so out of the picture at that point. Because mm-hmm. like in New Earth, like she's a, she like you see that Cassandra for maybe like two minutes, and then she's in Rose, and then she's in the Doctor, and then she's in Rose again. So I think probably a lot of the money went to putting together Cassandra, as well as obviously the spaceship shots and on the, the sunbeams and everything. Um, uh, I got, and, uh, so... and licensing toxic and tainted love. Don't yeah, forget that. Well, I, I think tainted love probably surely is pretty cheap in terms of like songs you could probably get for the BBC. No, you think? <laughs> it, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I want mean, to. I want to. Yeah. There's something I want to bring up just to close the book on Cassandra, which is something Russell T. Davies said about his inspiration. He said that he came up with the idea while watching the Oscars, and he said that it was horrific seeing those beautiful women reduced to sticks. Nicole Kidman struck me in particular. Nicole is one of the most beautiful women in the world, but she looks horrifying because she's so thin. It's like we're killing those women in public. We watch while you die. I'm that's like, kind of, that's got very weird energy to it yeah i'm not very much so i feel like if that's the point if that's the point you want to make then why does cassandra want to be thin you know it's like if the point you want to make is that we're making these people be thin and quote-unquote beautiful for our pleasure then why does cassandra personally want to be like that you know yeah that's got real why don't you smile more often energy to me (laughs) Well, I, problem- I don't know what that means. Please do not give me any more details. <laughs> problematic um, fave. Problematic fave. <laughs> um, will we play a game, or do you want to? Is there anything else you want to talk about? Because there's a a very I wouldn't call it a humdinger of a game this week, but it's a very difficult one to explain. I guess I have a question. I have a question. Uh, Sorry, I know we want to get to the game, but I have a question. Is this the first time the doctor has cried on screen? Um, I think so, unless... Did McGann cry? I don't think McGann cried. Um, I haven't seen nearly enough of the classic show. I'm curious. The TARDIS wiki says that... The TARDIS wiki says... That I, I, I don't know. Like the caves of Andrazani, he never cries during that. I don't think he does. I think he's he's too busy getting mad at um at everyone. Uh, it, like thinking about his emotions, it feels like it would have made sense for him to cry, I guess. Just yeah. pulling that episode out randomly. You were saying, Michelle, about the TARDIS wiki. Yes. Which would be a good segue after this as well. But um, I assume there's a list of when the Doctor cried on screen on the wiki. I wish. 
This is what it feels like when doctors cry. Um, will we play the Doctor Who wiki game then, or do you want? Or uh, yes, uh, yeah, let's game. hear. How's it? How you play? Okay, so it's, this is a Doctor Who wiki game. So every week, one of us goes onto the Doctor Who wiki and found, finds a real life person, place, or thing. Because the wiki is very in depth about this, and everyone else and people listening at home have to guess who I this week I'm talking about. So this is this is a a real life person, place, or thing that has a page on the Doctor Who wiki, okay? And the, all the clues are from details on the wiki page for it. So this week it's a TV show. Last week, of course, it was uh, David Duchovny, where we found out that the Fifth Doctor watched the X Files. I got very upset when David Duchovny left. It was a very interesting experience. Um, hey, so... wasn't the only one. <laughs> So, um, two Martian colonies were named after locations from this TV show. A catchphrase from this TV show has been in at least two different forms of Doctor Who. Someone resembling a character from this TV show has been in two Doctor Who comics and dies in one of them. This TV show and the characters from it technically exist in the Doctor Who universe because of I'm going to guess... I'm going to guess The Based? Simpsons. It is The Simpsons. Um, uh, Bart Simpson has canonically been in Doctor Who twice and viciously murdered on, on panel in at least one of those appearances. Um, further what, clues what, had, what were the colonies named? Why? Uh, Shel- Shelbyville and Springfield. That was um, my guess. Yeah. I, was trying, I was trying to think, like, what would be the two, like, tossed off names that could be a quick joke? Um. Do you know Neil Gaiman has been on The Simpsons twice? Right. Once, yeah, that makes once sense. As himself, once as himself and once as a character on a an episode, which, I mean, I don't know why you get Neil Gaiman for a character as well as himself, but I don't know. Yeah. Was, was, the, he, was he with, Al, with, with Alan Moore and Art Spiegelman? In that no, 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 no. He, like he's, in, he's in one of the very few, like, modern Simpsons episodes that are actually good it's called the book job and it's about how it's like a heist movie but they're trying to make a fake book that'll make a lot of money and they rope in neil gaiman who they suddenly they, they slowly find out that neil gaiman doesn't even know how to read like all of the <laughs> okay. stuff he, yeah all the stuff he write he quote unquote writes are just like scams on his part and the episode I, I, with- I liked I liked that episode with the literary festival with like Gore Vidal and Michael Shabon and Jonathan Franzen that was fun yeah, it's one of the very few like modern Simpsons episodes that are, you know, I would actually consider to be good. It's a season 22 episode, the book job. Mm. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22, series 22 of Doctor Who. Do you think we'll get to series 22 of the revived series? No, I think um, we'll get to series. My my rough estimate will be series sixteen, and then they'll stop. I think. I think they're. I think they're coming to a point where they're going to say, the um, money to eyes on this isn't viable enough, or they'll be like, we just don't want to make this anymore, and then it will either just go completely again for the rest of time, or something will happen at some point. Like it will be, it will be picked up in some form or another. They'll start um, something immediately. Things don't just go away now. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, if we're going to go with that theory, I think what's going to happen is this is going to go until season 25, series 25. 
and then they're gonna come up with uh, Chibno is gonna come up with the Chibno master plan. But the but the <laughs> uh, the the head of the BBC will be like, I hate Doctor Who. will destroy it. And then <laughs> twenty five years later, it's just gonna be rebooted again. And then the, the first, <laughs> I, I think this is a great continues. way to end discussion about the episode, the end of the world. Yeah. Right. Or it will be a BritBox streaming exclusive uh, revival of Doctor Who where, where they don't have the budget to animate anything. So it will all be like I think, indoors. I'm going to end it by saying I think by now the cat's too out of the bag in that I think when, when the first show first ended, it was still like you had people who knew about it in America and other parts of the world, but it was still very much like a British thing. I think it's just out of the bag now. Like it's world, I think, and I don't know who in the BBC would be like, "Oh yeah, let's kill one of our, <laughs> one of our profitable worldwide properties." I don't think that I don't think they're gonna end it anytime soon. I could we'll be wrong have, though. We'll have to see. They ended Sherlock. At least I hope to God they've ended Sherlock. <laughs> Do you think that was just a mercy kill? They were like, <laughs> no, you got to stop. I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I think Moffat was like, I don't want to do this anymore. I got I, I, I to make Dracula instead. Um, breaking news. Variety confirms Doctor Who will end with series 13. Um, it quotes a jinx put on by uh, Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> God, if I was the guy who killed Doctor Who, I would be really sad. <laughs> I know at least four friends who would hate me forever. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, Adam, thank you for being here to this, with us today. We'll see you again next season for uh, more Face of Bow chat. Mm-hmm. Uh, but where can people find you online if they can find you online or whatever? Uh, I I don't really feel the need to be found online. <laughs> <laughs> But where can people find you? Uh, well, they can find Michelle uh, on hit podcast Full Metal Analysts. Michelle, why I don't you... think we can use that word. And then you say uh, hit, they say no podcast. I mean, you, you got you got people like a real life with an alchemy historian that you got. Yeah, uh, yeah. a guy who researched occult sciences, and um, of course. Uh, Possible, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna lock it in and put it out there. Possible future guest, uh, Samuel Davies. Of, oh, he's great, yeah. Uh, Samuel, if you're listening, uh, call me. Um, I just watched the latest Bro Cannon today, which is about the unofficial eighth doctor, uh, erotica that they put out. Oh, I love Bro Cannon, Bro Cannon is so good. Bro Cannon makes me love Doctor Who even more. Like, what show could say that they have? Somebody wrote an official erotica that was then confirmed to be in canon by another writer. Like I love that. You just you did not get that from anywhere else. Um, as I say, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, and please leave a review if you want to. Um, next time we're going to have Charles Dickens, ghosts, and psychics. Very exciting. Um, Three of my favorite things, even though I've never read a Charles Dickens book, and I have you like seen him up at Christmas Carol? Um, then you read Christmas Carol. I've also, <laughs> well, I've also seen about five minutes of the Guy Pierce Christmas Carol Why? from last year. 
Uh, it was on TV. Um, so thank you for listening and remember that indubitably this is a bad wolf scenario. <laughs> <laughs>